0: This is the Barely Educated Podcast. I am your co-host, Chris Teichler, joined by the other co-host, Mark Jansen, here to talk some Chicago Bears with our very special guest today, who
1: is back with us, Max Barkham. Max, it's good to see you. Thanks so much for coming back
0: on our show.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Any chance where we get to talk Bears and Justin Fields, I'm excited. and I am there. Thank you for having me. yes. (laughs) Agreed.
2: So, Max... um, what did you think of the Super Bowl? Particularly, did you draw any lessons that that Ryan Poles especially should take from that game yeah. that we saw there?
1: Yeah. Well, I I do think that we learned that there's more than one way to skin a cat. You can For sure bake a cake two ways. So you look at the Rams and how they set things up, and they forgot they've um, got rid of all their assets and brought in just kind of proven commodities and. So you can go that route, but then you can also kind of go the more traditional route of building through the draft drafting wisely and spending your cap wisely and like the Bengals this offseason they're going to have like the fourth highest cap space according to spot so they're in a really good position to move forward and get some top free agents so. Uh, I think, and that's kind of the what Ryan poll said he was going to do in his introductory press conferences. He kind of wanted to go that more traditional route of building through the draft and kind of being a little bit more conservative. So that's what I expect him to do this offseason going forward. But uh, um, I also think it shows that we don't necessarily need to blow everything up. We don't need to Get rid of every single player because if Justin Fields takes off, like you could be in the Super Bowl and you could be a Cleo Mack away from winning it all. They were three points off from winning it all, so uh, who knows? I, I think I think that just goes to show that we really should kind of hold on to what we have and uh, and not have to necessarily uh, again blow things up. Yeah,
2: I I would like to see them basically run it back with the defense with a couple changes. I mean, there's going to be some obviously. Like I'm not a proponent of trading Quinn and Mac, Mm because I think if you could just get them to both be fully healthy, it could still be a pretty good idea, right? If you could manage that. Yeah. (laughs) But I think the lesson for me from that game is regardless of how the Bears choose to acquire them, the Rams really aggressive way or the more slow and steady approach, they need more blue chip players, right? Because they only have a couple really major difference makers. That's right. And I think they need more than just Roquan, Quinn, and Mack. And I hope Jalen Johnson gets there. I hope Mooney gets there. But I don't think the offense has a single guy that defensive coordinators lose their sleep over just yet. And obviously, Fields is the one you really want to have get there. But I think the, that's the big lesson for me is they, they've got this deep-ish roster, but it's not got enough front-end talent. It's a very, very top of the league. So you mean blue chip players across the roster, not just offense or I mean I mean they yeah, they need like look how many do the Rams have? One or two, right? <laughs> <laughs> and even the Bengals have several. If you start to count like Trey Hendrickson and stuff like that. Rams obviously have more. And I don't know if I want to be as aggressive as they were. That was sort of an all or nothing yeah approach. Oh scary. Which when it when it bottoms out, they're gonna be terrible, right? Like mm-hmm. in a couple of years, they'll be getting their picks back in bad which is probably the plan but I think you need more than just Roquan two pass rushers and then hopefully fields like go get a top end playmaker go get somebody to anchor the line that kind of thing Um, and the other thing that stood out to me from that game is the the weakest link eventually mattered it's kind of funny how it took all the way to the Super Bowl for it to finally bite the Bengals but shore up your winkest link too which I think the Bears have a couple positions as candidates there but that that last play where they had a guard one-on-one with Aaron Donald on fourth down I'm like that's not gonna work (laughs) no saw that coming it did not
1: (laughs) yeah and I think just kind of how we are set up from a front office standpoint where we have two general managers that are former offensive linemen, they, as offensive linemen, they will know the offense a little bit better and bringing in someone who's kind of counter to who they are in Matt Eberflus, who is used to being the defensive coordinator on a team that doesn't spend a lot of premier resources on the defense. And he is used to elevating that defense into a top 10 defense. And so that really allowed the Colts to just the way Eberflus uh, um, allowed that defense to play to their, Potential, uh, that really allowed uh, the offense then or their front office, Chris Ballard, to then spend those premier resources on the offense and bring in guys like uh Carson Wentz. Obviously, it wasn't the greatest choice, but just to be able to spread spend those resources. So I think going forward, yes, we'll need a cornerback for sure. Um, we're having a scheme change. So we're gonna need a linebacker and we're gonna need a three tech on the defense, but we're also going to I, I think, I think beyond that kind of just allow Eberflus to run his scheme and elevate that defense moving forward and spend all those premier resources on the offense, offensive line and wide receiver in particular.
2: Yeah. And I mean, the middle linebacker is not going to be hard to find if you're playing Roquan at the will, mm-hmm. that's a pretty easy position to fill. Three tech is probably the hardest out of the, the needs they have there. If you project Herbert to be one of the three corners, um, and then obviously they definitely need a corner, strong safety too. usually easy to find, yeah. but I love that thought, like Eberflus, you're supposed to make this work without tons of resources, even though right now with the ends, you still have tons of resources there. Well, we build up the offense. You just keep this defense in that five to 10 range. Cause it has been roster wise and resource wise. pretty lopsided towards the defense. Mm-hmm. And I sure hope the whole plan is obviously to build around fields. I don't know why it wouldn't be
1: yeah and and attack that aggressively this offseason get get them an offensive line get them wide receivers and i other than that i really don't care what they do with the rest of the roster besides getting like a reliable corner back there yeah there's Andrews. there's a lot of chatter
2: like do you want o-line or wide receiver i'm like man i don't know why it's an either or
1: in these yeah, Twitter discussions need both both. <laughs> both will be necessary 100
2: yeah
0: if, when the second round pick comes up uh you probably just take the either the best wide receiver that's there or the best tackle that's there depending on who projects as the better overall player right not necessarily saying oh we need this we need a wide receiver so we'll just take this guy who's there even though there may be a tackle that projects
2: higher yeah especially yeah. if you move Borum inside mm.
0: has that been talked need... about
2: i haven't heard uh, that i've seen it mentioned a few times i don't know that, i don't think the bears have said it directly or anything Does that, what does that mean about whitey coat hair? Okay, whitey coat hair. Well, it's, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, Max, but I think it's more like people think James Daniels might be wanting more than Poles is willing to pay.
1: Yeah, and I think the scheme is going to change quite a bit, and we're going to need to quite, like, rather than these really strong guys in white hair and James Daniels, we're going to need guys that can really move and get on the run uh, at guard. And so... Um, one well, yeah, one thing that I heard is, uh, oh man, I'm, I was reluctant to bring it up because I'm forgetting his name right now. He's the left tackle, uh, on Fisher, Eric Fisher, um, obviously has ties with Ryan poles through the Kansas city chiefs. And mm-hmm. so if they want to spend some premier resources and bring in bringing a left tackle, and then you can move, uh, Tevin Jenkins to his college position at right tackle, and that might be a bit more of a natural fit for Tevin Jenkins. A lot less development has to happen uh, on that mm-hmm. side of things. And, and you can really give some, I don't know, reassurance to Justin Fields that he's going to be okay this next season by having those guys that tackle.
2: Yeah. It's, it's interesting to think about like all the players being reevaluated after the mess that was this final year or even two of Nagy like moving Jenkins to the left side, never made any sense in the first place. And, I certainly hope the staff that they've put in now is going to reevaluate that whole idea. Mm-hmm. And it would make sense to put him back on the right side where his run blocking is less or is more pronounced and more of a benefit than him still learning the pass pro.
1: Yeah. And I think we got the best guys available to make that decision Two offensive linemen and uh, Ryan Polanyi mm-hmm. and Cunningham. I'm, I'm pretty uh, excited to have those guys.
0: Max, uh, I don't think we've talked to you since the season ended, but, uh, What are your thoughts on what we saw from Justin Fields and what that can tell us about the future? There's been a lot of mixed uh, opinions and writings out there. So uh, what would you have to say about what we saw from Justin and going forward?
1: Yeah, well, I think with Justin Fields, we had a very mixed year and we saw a lot of amazing things and a lot of just simple things that he should have known. And I think the best way to say it is that if you take Justin Fields college tape and overlay it into the Chicago bears situation, you have pretty much what you would expect. So in the college uh, ranks, he was playing a lot of hero ball, a lot of deep passes. He had a lot more time in the pocket and he kind of came into the Chicago bears expecting to play that same sort of style. And obviously with no offensive line and no, really solid wide receivers you can't do that and uh and it took a little while for him to adjust and so what we ended up seeing is a lot of amazing amazing throws these what i call sideline snipes where he is fitting balls into the tight windows especially on the sidelines i was going through a lot of his plays and he can hit the sidelines like nobody like it's incredible but then you see things like on a screen pass where he takes a sack or a strip sack where he just kind of needs to get the ball out and at that point it's just like coaching it's like he should know that like that's that's very simple he should know that if uh if he, a blitz is coming he needs to pop it over the um incoming linebacker or defensive lineman get it to the, your running back and if not just chuck it at his feet move on to the next play screen passes are supposed to be your most safe play they're supposed to be um, turnover proof and we can't have turnovers or sacks on those types of plays. And so I think coaching is going to be very critical coming up in this next season for Justin Fields development and obviously getting those pieces around him. Yeah.
2: I think his biggest two issues now that we've had some time to chew it over and some studies of the all 22 and stuff like that have come out are definitely the ball security, which you mentioned, and just kind of holding it too long. And just struggling in the quick game, screens, of course, are part of that. Some of the, like the quick throws over the middle, All right? What's the old rule? Never throw it late in the middle of the field. Like if you're going to do that, it's got to be immediate. Yeah, and the best thing seat, I think, as far as optimism, is the stuff he's amazing at isn't the stuff you coach. The stuff he struggled with is totally coachable, All right? Like the deep ball accuracy, the, the strong arm to go down the sideline and tight window throws, like you mentioned, the sheer athleticism. You either have those kind of things or you don't really. Um, but like getting better with the rhythm of a quick game, getting the ball out a little quicker, securing it a little more—that's all coachable. And then, did you see where Dick Butkus had said that he had sources telling him that they basically didn't even coach him? They didn't coach fields.
1: Yeah, like, I did Man. see that. I saw that on Twitter. Yeah, it that seems it to sure look like. What I see on the
2: film. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So I don't know what you make of that, but we get all these worse and worse stories about Maggie. It seems like with him gone, I don't know how much to read into those.
1: Yeah. But... Well, the more and more removed players become from the organization, the more and more comes out about Matt Nagy and, and where there's smoke, there's fire. And where one person is saying it, there's three more that are saying mm-hmm. it, but are in a position where they can't say anything at all because they have contracts and roster mm-hmm. issues and the, that they need to worry about. So um, one thing I've kind of spoke about I um, on a on another podcast was just how Matt Nagy. I I don't think he was the incorrect hire. I think he was a very obvious hire at that specific yeah, time. Obviously, we, he yep. ended ended up being not a great hire for us. We've said that same thing. Yep. Yeah, and and one of the big things I think is like it, you look back to 2018, and it really seems like. Matt Nagy lost his way and you look at just like and it's just small but it matters the team building things he was doing the club dub the boom chants in the locker room if you remember those like, <laughs> yep. and uh and bringing in Danny Trevathan's grandma to see a game like he was doing this stuff all the time this huge team building stuff and we saw them come back from losing streaks and and going big winning streaks and and really become a resilient team and and then we like after 2018, I don't think that really happened at all moving forward. Definitely didn't happen this year. And I think he was kind of in panic mode. He was more so just worried on it about his offense and then on his scheme. And I think that's also to say something that's really great about Matt Eberflus is that he's not coming in saying, I need my defense to be immaculate. I need my defense to be perfect. And that is my baby that I'm going to carry care about and give no other attention to. He's coming and saying, no, I have a defensive coordinator for defense. I'm focusing on leadership, focusing on not calling plays. I just want to have my hand in both sides, make sure that Justin Fields is developing, making sure my scheme is being implemented and our um, effort-based reward system is going well and that the team is good. And and I think uh, think that approach is very, very countercultural to what Matt Nagy was doing.
2: Yeah, definitely. Like something broke Nagy in 2018. I want to say it was the, you know, the end of the playoff game, but the offense already sputtered before then, but he didn't, they never got, you know, back on course. I would not say Eberflus was my first choice, not by a long shot. I would say Harbaugh and Brian Dable were because the obvious fields thing, but the, I like a lot of what he said. I know people in sports radio are like worked up over the hits principle. And I'm just like, he's talking to football players, not PhDs and, you know, graduates from Duke, you know, like football players might be wired different. I'm not saying they're not intelligent, but they actually might resonate with that. And that's his job. I love that he's not calling plays. And I, what did you make of Fields' comments about how he was looking forward to working with Eberflus because it was somebody who's like reverse engineering how to help him read a
1: defense as someone who stops the QB, like how he can help him. I thought that was pretty cool. And that's the following the system of the greatest coach in QB tandem of all time and village and Brady and that's what they said they would do every week is that Belichick and Brady would sit down and uh, Belichick would teach Brady Brady how to break down defenses as a defensive minded guy and you'd show them the weak spots and where we need to get our wide receivers into certain places in order to beat the defense consistently so I thought that was a really cool idea and I totally agree with you Matt Eberflus was not my favorite guy I hate to bring it up but I have a tweet ranking the six head coaching (laughs) candidates final finalists and he was number six on my list but you know what he's a bear so he's my number one guy now and I think just the more I learn about him the more I'm like okay like I ranked him at six honestly just because I was ignorant and I had no idea anything about him I've never heard the guy's name before this offseason I had no clue who he was or what he did but the more you hear him talk and the more about his philosophy that you hear and how it works on his players that's when you kind of start to buy in as a fan a little bit more.
2: Yeah. All the former coaches and players that have worked with him, that they've interviewed anywhere like podcasts, radio, whatever, all adore the guy.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And I know they're all going to kind of say nice things, but you get the sense it's genuine. And then you see all these cult guys come with him. And I know some people are like, Oh, it's just repeating the cults." So I'm like, yeah, but that's because he's good. And they like him. Like, and I was thinking works. back, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Well, and one of the red flags for Nagy that at least I missed at the time is nobody came with him.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. And you have to think that people aren't buying into what he's selling. And yeah. I, I don't know what the exact rules were at that specific time with lateral moves, but like you'd think so. Like uh, yeah. he, he met um, Mark Helfrich and that's who he hired the former uh, uh, head coach of Oregon who was just recently fired. And the word is, is that they had never met prior, in, prior to him being hired. Whereas Matt Eberflus is being, bringing guys he's, who has spent three, four years with him on defense, mm-hmm. who he knows can implement that system, which is fantastic. I think that is so cool. Um, one, one more topic on
2: coaching, because I think this is super important too. what do you think of the Mike, or, I'm sorry, the Luke Getze hire. I always want to call him Mike. I don't know why. Luke Getze hire.
1: Yeah. And I'll kind of tie in this into what you said before. So yeah, again, Matt Eberflus wasn't my favorite hire at the time. And that's largely because you have guys like Brian Dable available. And with Brian Dable, we see that he has built offensive systems from scratch by himself. And of course you want to understand how much of that is attributed to just Josh Allen doing it on his own and being just a very talented QB. And we're going to see this year. Um, I think that offense just kind of continues where it's at and stays. Yeah. I mean, they're like, averaging it, 40 points a game in the playoffs. So you're going to want the guy coaching it, you know, exactly. Right. And but. so he, he would have been the obvious hire, but uh, Luke gets I I do like the scheme change. I like that. The, so one thing I've kind of thought about was that the Andy Reed offensive system, when it gets transferred into other organizations, it doesn't work and we see that with the eagles and Doug Peterson of course they won a super bowl but their offense was not that great and they were never above i think uh 15 in dvoa and uh then we see it obviously with the bears and um uh i can't think of off the top of my head I, there's there's one more but then um but We see the Shanahan style offense, which was then transferred to the Packers, which was then transferred to the Titans. And we see those teams with really good offenses. And even the Titans, who have a kind of maybe slightly above average quarterback in Ryan Tannehill, and that offense got them to being one of the number one seeds, even without Derrick Henry. And so we see that offense being very transferable and very successful and on other teams. So that's something I'm really excited about is just kind of doing away with the read system and trying out a completely different system. And uh, Luke Getze in particular at the hut. And so for me, I often tend to just kind of justify things in my head, but I think this is kind of a cool point is that Luke Getze was the passing game coordinator for the green Bay Packers. And he was the passing game coordinator because he spent time with Jim Moorhead at Mississippi state and Jim Moorhead's offenses are predicated on deep passing and just throwing up balls, getting guys open deep down the field, which is perfect for Justin Fields who that is his main strength is getting the ball downfield. That's what he wants to do. He doesn't want to dink and dunk. He just doesn't want to run. He wants to sit in the pocket and just launch balls and so bringing in a guy with a Shanahan offense is great for our offensive line, great for setting up running and play actions, but then that should ultimately allow Justin Fields to have a little bit more time in the pocket and get those deep balls out. So I think, I think it's a good hire. Um, of course, not my favorite hire. You want that Brian Dable, maybe the Nathaniel Hackett uh, hiring. Maybe you want him a little bit more, but Luke gets, it seems like a lot of praise is going his way as well. Just really quickly, James Jones, known bears hater i don't know if you <laughs> heard this soundbite yet but he went on to the ringer podcast and i'll do my best james jones impression <laughs> but he goes uh so aaron Rodgers was fighting to get luke Getze. And I'm telling you, he was fighting to get Luke Getzey. He really wanted this man. And so having Aaron Rodgers seemingly upset over Luke Getzey going to the Bears, mm-hmm. that's got to give you a little smile when you, when you hear yeah, that. Yeah, it does. It's <laughs> like, I think once you went D coach, I was kind of like,
2: ah, oh, here we go again. But then I saw the staff that he was assembling. I'm like, okay, I my cynicism is being sanded away here. I thought of the available like actual offensive coordinators. He was one of the top names uh, and people are like, Oh, what if he does a good job and leaves? I'm like, then fields will be good and it right. won't matter. That's a great mm-hmm. problem to have. Good organizations have this problem. See yeah. also the Packers. Right. And then the other thing that stands out to me if, as passing in coordinator, I assume a lot of this is him. The, all the times you watch the Packers and it will be like third and four and they do something Maybe it's just Adams in motion. And I know Rogers and Adams are like the best two at their position and all that, but like, it's not just an individual brilliance. Like Adams will be like five yards right past the sticks, wide open. Like anytime they need it on third and four, it's just like Mm -hmm. that, that was, that wasn't because Rogers is is amazing. That was schemed up to perfection and he's wide open. And we saw how many times the bears would struggle to get anybody open ever. mm -hmm. The scheme didn't do it. The players mostly don't. And so, like, you got to have both. And I thought if he's the passing game coordinator, surely he has something to do with some of those super easy pitch and catch.
1: Oh, yeah. Like, even in the divisional game, you think about it, and uh, a lot of people say, well, it's the special teams that lost it for Aaron Rodgers. But on that last play of the game, you have Alan Lazard standing in the middle of the field Mm -hmm. with his arms – flapping in the air saying, I'm open, I'm open. And basically doing a jumping jack. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And so like the scheme worked, it was there. And Aaron Rodgers, the, one of the best QBs to ever play, he missed it and he dropped the ball on that one. And so the scheme worked if you follow it though. And if you trust in your guys. Yeah.
2: I don't know. Rodgers has an issue in the playoffs. It's like, it's happened enough to be a thing. It is
1: weird. Yeah. And I guess that brings us to
2: Rodgers. Go ahead, Chris.
0: Oh, I was just gonna say, you know, maybe you can call Rogers the regular season goat <laughs> because <laughs> that's right. then something changes in every postseason. Um, that when they uh, the year after they won the Super Bowl, twenty eleven, they were fifteen and one, and I thought they would just waltz through the playoffs. Oh, was I was so, so miserable strong. going into
2: that season. I was yeah. just like, they're gonna cruise to another championship. This is gonna suck, you know. But then <laughs> Eli came the along. <laughs> yeah, Eli el
0: chupacabra you know, the goat killer <laughs> so um yeah so uh aaron Rodgers, what uh what do you expect to that's going to happen with him this off season yeah. is he staying is he going what do you think
1: yeah so i just put out a, a video on my channel uh it's called the bear den with max markham if you want to check it out yes. but i basically, watched it yes mm-hmm. perfect yeah the the reason that i think aaron Rodgers leaves is that just like all the logic behind it says he's going to leave. And you know what, the, the case that I built was like, you think it from think about it from a Packers front office perspective, like you're going to have Aaron Rodgers for about another two years while with a roster that's declining. Like, do you think you're going to get to the Super Bowl with that particular roster? Or do you kind of just say, you know what, get rid of Aaron Rodgers. He's coming off of a back-to-back MVP season. The odds of him getting, A third MVP season is not likely. He's going to be 39 next year. Get your picks while you still can. So it makes sense from a front office perspective with that declining roster. It makes sense for Aaron Rodgers, who's just done this again and and again and again and again. And you see it, it's starting to take a toll on him. And that's why we're getting these rumors swirling around that he wants to retire. And he's kind of tired of it all. And so I, I think he wants a change of scenery. He wants a little bit of an easier path with a, um, a path of least resistance to getting a ring and on a roster that's declining. It's not as likely. And so of course, like the Broncos make sense. Uh, you have some of the coaches and some great young pieces on the offense there, but of course you have a tough division, but um, I, I wouldn't put it past the Packers if the, Prices right to trade them to another NSF, NFC team. They're going to be rebuilding anyway. But with all of that case and all that logic on one side, on the other side, it could just be like, I just want to retire as a Packer, so I'm staying. You know, like it's just something stupid as that that can totally take over. So I would say logic dictates that he leaves, but he's not the most logical man in the world. Yeah. True. I would think a- the
0: AFC would be more likely for the team to trade him, but man, does he want to play in the AFC with that quarterback gauntlet with uh, Mahomes and Herberts and Burrow and Allen? Like that's that's going to be quite a test to try to get to the Super Bowl through those guys. The NFC would seem to have a much easier path because you just have well
2: Rams really right now,
0: yeah. And Justin Fields, yeah, but so like maybe Tampa, maybe uh, like they got all those pieces, right? I mean, that's what Brady Niners.
2: If they're not ready to give Niners, yeah, Of course, now you got the Brady going to the Niners for one year stuff coming out the last couple of days. (laughs) It just seems like people guessing at this point. Somebody was saying that Arians would uh, would show up after Brady and Leftwich had the game plan ready, and he'd like carve it all to pieces and like that there is tension there but uh, uh, who knows i think with rogers too like the packers are bending over backwards to keep him which is totally the opposite of what was going on last year and all week everyone's like oh, he's coming back to hire tom clements to be the qb coach and all that and then it's like he's still not saying a word mm-hmm. like we still have no idea what he's thinking and he still wields a lot of influence because of whatever the deal was to get him back last year right? Like he could say, no, I want out. And
1: that would be the end of it, regardless of whatever else they've tried to do. I, I totally agree with that. And like, like, and there's something to be said with Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith having some cryptic tweets on, on, on Twitter. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. The eyes and, and the, so they don't seem happy. So it seems like the Packers are trying to clear cap space, but of course they have to clear about $50 million in cap space. And that's just, to, and that's not even including the um Bringing back Devonte Adams, who you know, if Rogers is staying, they have to bring Adams back. Like I'm sure Rogers, yeah, will of Adams isn't returning. Right? They're 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 a team, and they need to stick together. But, but yeah, I, I'm so super interested. He said he's going to make his decision before March 16th, so I have that day circled, <laughs> and uh and I'm expecting some news soon. But well, it's yeah, all be watching the uh, the
2: Pat McAfee show, right? <laughs> <It's the part laughs> <where> he'll <laughs> say it. There's a couple of things I want to note too on the Packers situation that I've seen people on Twitter get a little wrong. And yes, you you know, these teams can always manipulate the cap to a point. People are like, Oh, it's 40 million. that's no problem. Not 40 million. It's 40 million with only 40 players on the roster Mm -hmm. that they're already over. So in all practicality, when you try to do the full 53, Mm -hmm. they're more like 50 over already. Mm -hmm. And then they've got to come up with, let's say 70 to keep Adams and Rodgers. I mean, I know teams can play loose with the cap, but that gets to be kind of absurd. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I've always said like like 15 million is the sweet spot. If you need to go through your entire roster and do restructures and extensions, like maybe about $15 million, if you need that one extra player to bring in a Jalen Ramsey at $15 million, you can do that and you can really finagle some of the uh, contracts in your roster. But when you're at the point of $70 million, like, and of course we see that, already starting to take effect with uh, their outside linebackers. And obviously that Packers defense is not going to be what it was this past year. And at that point, you just got to think like, how could Rodgers? He, he couldn't contend this year with his roster, like at top notch level. So how is he supposed to do it next year with everything taking a decline? i right. probably regret saying this. I almost want them to bring it back
2: because they will have gutted everything and mm-hmm. then be really bad in a year or two. Whereas if they get like five total picks for the two of them, it's like, man, that jump starts to rebuild. Yeah. You know, it's like, okay, I got to hope they get the QB pick wrong again. You know? So Mm. like, I'm almost like I could live with the short term if it meant they would be worse off in the long run.
1: Yeah. And with all all those, not where I was at last year. Totally. And, and with all those picks, like if the basis is three first rounders, that basically means out of the next three drafts, you can basically choose pretty much unless there's like a Trevor Lawrence, some type of like godsend sort of quarterback available. You can pretty much have a choice of any quarterback that you want and be at, I don't know, and ha- ha- have the 20th overall pick just because you have so many picks to flush and go and mm-hmm. get your guy. And I think Jordan Love is very obviously not that guy at this point. Yeah,
2: so I'm torn because part of me wants to watch the Packers have a bad QB finally, but part yeah. of me is like, man, if they, they got the whole roster and don't get all those picks and then he retires next year anyway, that's, not the worst thing for the bears in the long run. Not, not so, at all. Not at all. All right. I have one last question. I don't know about Chris, but what do you have any players that you want the bears to target? I'm thinking specifically on offense as free agency approaches or even the draft, which I guess the combine's coming up,
1: but mm-hmm. yeah. So I don't want the bears to necessarily go out and spend a lot of cap to bring in a guy like, uh, I know there was a bit of a debate on Twitter about Devonte Adams and paying him 30 million when the bears have $30 million right now. <laughs> and the, like, of course that'd be great for Justin Fields, but of course, then who do you have blocking for him? And, and so I think there's a couple of guys that I'm looking at. There's kind of some mid tier guys that I think we should bring in. If we can bring a couple mid tier guys, such as like a uh, Russell gauge, I really like, I like, um, sorry, I ha- had a bit of a list here. Uh, Uh, DJ Chark is a guy like Mike Gallup of course you want to make sure that ACL is okay of course we have Trey Cohen who we thought would be ready for this year and and of course had a little bit of a setback so um or maybe not necessarily setback but just some issues with that and and so we want to make sure that's to wonder there
2: yeah
1: sorry what was that starting to wonder what's going on there yeah well I, I I don't know the source of it but Someone said that it was more of a mental thing that Tariq yeah, Cohen didn't that. feel like the same player and he wasn't trusting it as much. Mm-hmm. And even though he was completely healthy and ready to go, which is sad because I think they could have really used him. Nagy's offense was at its, at its best with Tariq Cohen in there. True, true. Um, I like Christian uh, Kirk, another good name, wide receiver, yeah. good deep threat, play out of the slot.
2: I think it's really important that they shore up the line. I think center's where I would actually yeah. prioritize a good center calling the schemes is a young QB's best friend. Mm-hmm. And then I want to make Mooney my one B my two, you know, like this idea that he's getting the vast majority of the targets I think is a problem, even though I think he's good. Yeah. Like you can't have it be that lopsided in his favor and have a really good dynamic passing attack.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, I, I, totally agree with you. So we need to have another wide. I like, I don't think he's at a point where he can be a wide receiver to one, but Exactly. He, and he's not necessarily a wide receiver too, either. So having two mm-hmm. guys to come in and be that um, almost like a, I want, I want to say like a Alshon Jeffrey, Brandon Marshall, but I think Brandon Marshall, even even kind of be the Batman to the Robin in that situation. But uh, mm-hmm. the wide wide receivers. Uh, yeah. Christian Kirk is a great name. Cedric Wilson, DJ Chark would be a cool guy to bring in. And then at center, like um, Ryan Jensen and Ted Karras, maybe Matt Paradis from, Carolina panthers we definitely need some need a new center in there for sure and kelly from the
2: rams is from chicago he's a free agent too so yeah
1: I bet, he, I bet there's gonna be some people linking him to the bears yeah that, that'd be cool so uh, yeah if you're spending resources wide receiver offensive line everywhere else just kind of i, I don't know throw a couple pennies to them and, and see who you can get. <laughs> i agree i mean those have to be the priority we need a corner too
2: but mm-hmm. i think you can also help that Eberflus will have some ideas there but oh for sure all right Max well thank you so much for joining us always yes, great you. to get your take on the Bears I always appreciate your enthusiasm and your optimism which sometimes that latter uh, optimism is, is lacking among Bears fans
1: <laughs> harder to come by <laughs> So, yeah. thank you so much for your time can Sorry you give us your you.
0: YouTube channel again so people uh, want to check yeah. it out
1: yeah so the youtube channel if you want to check it out just search the bear den with max markham so i'll post highlights and a couple i'm gonna do some uh, draft analysis coming up of just who my favorite draft picks are um and then uh yeah but beyond that if you want to check that out that'd be fantastic just come talk to me on twitter at max markham nfl and that'd be fantastic and i always enjoy fun. conversating with you guys on the barely educated podcast i yes, love being thank here. thank you
0: thank you and there is still a t-shirt coming your way i'm sorry it's still <laughs> <laughs> new green is oh, right. Right. We, yeah, we it one
1: time and then it got sent back or something yeah, and mm-hmm. issue or I gave you the wrong address or something. I don't know.
0: But we got, we actually got an, a real shirt designer to do it. So it yeah. looks a lot better than what <laughs> you were going to get the first time.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward yeah, to it. Great. Sounds great. Thanks so much, Max. All right. Take care of guys. Uh, duck bears. So
2: we uh, always thank Max for joining us. A couple quick things before we get out of here uh just a little shout out to us since we all know chris you suck <laughs> yes and we like to mock us. we were dead on with the idea that the rams d line would eventually prove to be the difference in the super bowl seven mm. sacks and the game clinching play which would have probably been a touchdown to burrow from burrow to chase i mean oh. if donald doesn't make that place so yeah if he had
0: time yep yep uh Jalen Ramsey did not really have a good game, did he? No, no, <laughs>
2: man. That's a rough life out there on the edge at <laughs> the <a> corner spot. <laughs> yeah. But you know, I just kidding around, but we, you know, we it's so hard to get things right when you're sitting there doing this and mm-hmm. recording it for the whole world that it's just fun to come back and make, hey, look, that one, that one worked.
0: <laughs> that's right. That's exactly right. Yeah.
2: Um, otherwise, I think it's it's always overreactions, right? With the league and the Super Bowl and the roster building. I mean. Oh, the Bengals did it without an O-line, yeah, until it bit him. Uh-huh.
0: And uh-huh. I'm
2: sorry, but there's not going to be a Burrow to Chase connection just sitting there for us to draft at 39. <laughs> if a yeah. lobby's there, I'd pick him for sure. Yeah, I still think they should go receiver there, but you can't be like, oh, we'll do what the Bengals did, or we'll do what the Rams did, and that's how it'll go. There's, a, like Max said, more than one way to bake the cake. Yeah, and a lot of people think he'll be there
0: uh, at 39, and he's Justin's old buddy, uh, Yeah, lobby, yeah. So I've we'll seen see. him late
2: first early second there's a bunch of good receivers you can definitely get a receiver there they don't yeah. start right away all right anything else no man let's uh we'll meet in a couple of weeks and uh yep. take a little time off let the combine happen and that's right we will see you guys shortly thanks for listening as you know we are at Barely underscore educated check us out on Twitter buy me a coffee and we will see you soon
0: That's the end of the game. The yeah. game is over. The game is over. You suck, Chris.
1: Hello. Are you stupid or something?
0: I think he's a bum. That insolent blackguard. All f- the bears.